of songs. If you have your Bibles, let's open them, please, to the book of Psalms 142. And if you have your telephone out watching the game right now, the score is 31 to 16. All right, so there we go. And so let's, well, I don't know who's winning. 34-0, I'm sorry, New Orleans Saints won. Okay, and so here we go. But if you have your Bibles, let's open them uh, to the book of Psalms, Psalms 142. And seriously, let's make sure, let's get our phones out of our hands and honor the Lord with His Word. And uh, here we are. I promise I won't tell you the score since I don't know it. And so, Psalms 142. Is the volume good? Mark, is the volume good in the back? Good, good. And I want to thank the Thomasons for the great job they did decorating. This is just, just beautiful, over the top, and, and live rattlesnake in the pulpit. It's uh, kind of exciting. That's why I kind of backed up during the message a little bit. And so, Psalms 142. Glad you're back. Glad you're back. Good to see you here tonight. Good to see you. Good. Psalms 142. And uh, good. Got one of our ladies looking out for uh, new people. And Psalms 142. Want to give you this tonight. And we will have chili dogs after the service. Hope you'll stay. That'll be good. And, and I think it's being cooked by... Let me see. I think it's being served by DeBritz and DeBritz, huh? Is it DeBritz and DeBritz? But which DeBritz? All of them. All in the family, huh? DeBritzes and DeBritzes. Is that what we're going to say? D&D. Sounds like a brand, huh? Like a Western brand. Pretty good. Good. So what's, 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 in, the, what's in the chili? can't tell you. You wouldn't eat it. You said can? Is that what you said? Can? Oh, okay, see, I was a little cold. I can't tell you, can't, C-A-N, take off the lid, heat it up, microwave. Oh, okay, it's, it's fine. It's good. No, it's, it's probably better than that, I'm sure. So here we are, Psalms 142. This is a psalm, and sometimes in um, the study Bibles, it'll tell you who wrote the psalm. So in this one, it says, uh, Paschal of David. So we know that David actually wrote this psalm. Um, one of the headings says it was a, a prayer when he was in the cave. So probably fleeing from King, what's his name? Who is it? Saul. Yeah, King Saul. And so he's in the cave. So he has had to leave his home. He has had to leave his family. He has had to leave his, um, his hometown. He is fleeing for his life. This cave of Adullam is in a place called Goat of the Rock. Um, and what is, what is the Hebrew name for that? Uh, oh, En Gedi. En Gedi. So as you're driving down to the Dead Sea and you look to the right, whatever direction that is, I guess that's on the west, west side, you'll see all these mountains with holes in the mountains or caves. And so it made a natural dwelling place are a natural hiding place. And for you Bible scholars that, uh, that know some about the manuscripts, uh, that's where the uh, Dead Sea Scrolls were found, right there close to En Gedi in one of those caves. All these pots sealed with the book of Isaiah in it, word for word. And so just, just a little background. But notice in verse 1, 2, 3, and 4, here we go. David says, I cried unto the Lord with my voice. With my voice unto the Lord did I make my supplication. And what an encouragement to us. When you're going through tough times, tell him. 
tell him. Uh, some people will listen, some people won't. The Lord always hears. He hears the voice of the heavy-hearted. He feels the, uh, uh, hears the voice of the broken-hearted, the lonely person. He will hear you. It's interesting. Uh, I have met several people who at the end of their string or the end of their rope, uh, they were in a motel, they were traveling somewhere, they were contemplating ending their life, and they opened the drawer in the motel, and there was a Gideon Bible laid there. They began reading it and got saved. You know who one of those people was? Manny Pacquiao, the famous boxer. Boxing had the world by the tail, had all these riches, but life wasn't making sense. Opened up that Bible. He had heard the gospel uh, uh, some throughout his life, but he just started reading and reading and reading, understood it, got on his knees and gave his heart to Christ. So here it is. Here's David in the cave and he's crying out to the Lord. He says in verse two, I poured out my complaint before him. I showed before him my trouble. When my spirit was overwhelmed within me, that's repeated a couple of times in the book of Psalms. He says, I didn't just have a lot on my plate. It was overflowing. Then thou knewest my path. In the way wherein I walked, have they privately laid a snare for me. He says, all these people are chasing me. If you know the story, 3,000 of King Saul's soldiers were trying to find David. He even confronted the king one day and said, uh, are you sending everyone after a flea? He said, I'm just like a flea on the back of a dog. I'm a nobody. Why are you sending your whole army looking for one guy? Verse four, here's our text. I looked on my right hand and beheld. Right hand's a place of honor. That's where uh, a friend should be. That's where, that's where uh, someone to help you should be. I looked on my right hand and beheld, but there was no man that would know me. Refuge failed me. And probably the saddest statement in the whole Bible right here. No man cared for my soul. If you study that, that one verse there, it kind of rings this way when you study uh, in the Hebrew. It kind of says this. No one came looking for me. He said, I had fled the city. I'm hiding in a cave. and Nobody came looking for me. I got to thinking just about how that's probably the life statement for many people on our planet right now. We don't have the gospel and no one's coming looking for us. I'm going to speak on the subject tonight just a little bit, and I think we'll go uh, pretty quick on do you really care? Now, obviously you do or you wouldn't be here on a Sunday night. But I'm talking about on the scheme of things eternally, do we really care the way we ought to care? Father, bless the brief time we have tonight. Amen. John Rice, the great soul winner, said this. A soul winner is a nobody is a nobody telling everybody about somebody who can save anybody. He said a soul winner is one beggar telling another beggar 
where to find some bread. There are three types of churches in America today. We're talking about those that use the Bible. There are those that are lifestyle evangelism. By that we mean this. They, they don't pass out a gospel tract. They don't have a bus ministry. They don't have missions. Their thought is just watch my life and you will want to be saved. I'm not going to talk to you about Jesus. I may offend you. Just watch my life. Watch my clean car. Look at my, my uh, yard that looks real nice. Just, just watch how I act and you'll want to be saved. And I get it a little bit. People ought to be able to watch our life and say, you know, you are different. You know, you have something, but that's never enough. No one gets saved looking at your nice yard or seeing your washed and polished car or seeing a bumper sticker, you know, uh, 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 we love Jesus, but but that is part of it. But some churches, that's as far as they go. Lifestyle evangelism. We don't want to offend anybody. Number two, then there are churches that are evangelistic. That means this. They go out and invite people to church so they can hear how to get saved. Now, that's good. We do that a couple times a year on big days, special occasions, amusement park Sunday, maybe carnival Sunday, Easter, Christmas. It, it, it's, it's get people here and let's give them the gospel. That's evangelistic and that's wonderful. But what if the person works every Sunday and they can never come? What if they're an invalid and they cannot leave their house? Uh, what if they're in the hospital and they cannot leave? They're in a, a rehab home or uh, maybe they're in a drug facility, uh, an addiction facility, and they can't leave. Then third comes in, what we always have wanted to be is the soul winning church. The soul winning church. The confrontational, go to them, give them the gospel, encourage them to make an immediate decision that's what we want to be. We want to have all three, but we want to emphasize the very last one. You say, where do you get that in the Bible? In the book of Acts, Paul said, and house to house, we cease not to teach and preach Jesus Christ. They actually went to every house in Jerusalem. Every house, uh, the person that didn't hear about the bus route, the person that didn't have a car, uh, the person that maybe didn't speak their language, but they went to every house. Then it also says in the book of Acts, they filled Jerusalem with the doctrine. Now, maybe everyone in Napa is not going to get saved, but everyone can know how to get saved. Uh, years ago, I went to a house and uh, I had a gospel track in my pocket. And I said, uh, uh, I'd like to invite you to church. And they said, oh, we got the blue one. We got the yellow one and we got the green one. We had changed colors in the track throughout the years. And there it was on the refrigerator. They had the blue one, the yellow one, and the green one. You know, it's kind of like we collect them all. You know, this is what we do. You know, we don't have stamp collection. We have track collection. And I said, but have you ever read it? It's not enough to collect them. They have to be able to read them. Here's the question. Is the Great Commission still great to you? Go ye into all the world and preach the gospel to every creature. It's called the Great Commission. It's great because who gave it. It's great because how big it is. It's great because of who it includes. It's great because it's for all eternity. But is it great to us anymore? See, there's these stages. Here's kind of how it happens. Let me just maybe act this out. So 
I get saved. Then my, babe, can you come up here for a second? Then my, my wife and family get saved, all right? So, so I get saved, and of course, uh, those closest to me get saved, and then, then close friends get saved. Brother Chris, come on up here. So close friends get saved, and then uh, maybe, maybe those I'm pretty close to at work, Brother Charles come up, so co-worker gets saved. And this is kind of what happens at first when people first get saved. They get saved, and pretty soon their relatives get saved, and then pretty soon their, their real close friends and associates and uh, 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 co-workers get saved. But look, it can't stop here. Amen. After a while, you've talked to everyone that's close to you. I mean, uh, you've, you, you've given them the track. You've got them here for the special occasion, big days. They're saved, or they say they are. Then after a while, you've got to go after strangers. You can't just be okay with, well, you know, all my relatives know how to be saved. No, soon there's every street in town, every street in Napa, and every street in Vallejo, and every street in Fairfield. Soon it's, how far can we go? They all have to hear. But if we're not careful, we kind of get relaxed here. Well, everyone I know, pretty close, they've heard it. That's not enough. Amen. Thank you very much. Amen. Thank you very much. Why do Christians not win souls? There are several reasons. Number one, the biggest one is this. They don't go. Gospel, G-O-S-P-E-L. Got to go. No one's going to come to your house. What must I do to be saved? We have been watching your yard, watching your car. You look like Christians. You have something we need. What is it? No one's going to do that. You got to go. Say, man, I never win anybody. You got to go. You got to go outside of your house. You've got to talk to somebody. Sometimes we don't go. Number two, we don't present Christ. Sometimes we don't win souls because all we do is just pass out a track. Here, I'd like to invite you to our church. Now, that's good, and it's better than nothing, and they're getting the gospel, but you want to go farther than that. Don't back out so quickly. Don't back down so quickly. They may want to talk. Years ago, Brother Windish was my partner. He's in heaven now. Let me see. I did his first wife's funeral. I did his second wife's funeral. I did his third wife's funeral. I mean, they didn't pay attention. I don't know what was... <laughs> going on there and his, and his last wife was the one that uh, he came to me I love the story uh, he, uh, he came to me he says uh, pastor he said, uh, he said I think I'm interested in someone in the church I think brother Wendish was maybe I don't know 80 by that time and I said really and I'm thinking I've already got in my mind a lady close to his age and uh, I'm saying, well, who are you thinking about? And he said, so-and-so, like 30 years younger. I said, wow. I said, so what is it, Brother Wendish, making you interested in this lady in our church? He said, the day after the New Year's Eve party at church, I saw her with a vacuum cleaner in her hand. She's such a hard worker. After I told that story, three single ladies said, where's that vacuum cleaner? <laughs> so we'd be out soul winning. I'd knock on the door, and then he'd knock on the door. It'd be his turn. He would just take our church track, which had a whole page in big print. It just said, if you died today, would you go to heaven? 
When he'd knock on the door, they'd open the door, he'd just hold up the track and point. He wouldn't say we're from the church, he wouldn't introduce himself, he'd just... Hey, now that's good, but that's not enough. <laughs> Pointing to the track is still not enough. Sometimes people don't get saved, we don't present Christ. Now, tell you the two best soul winners in our church, I'm going to call their names right now. I've never done this. Is this okay? Is this going to make people feel bad? Is this okay to do? You ready? Here it is. Here's their names. The women. The women. The greatest soul winners usually are women. You say, how come? And I could say girls or teenage girls, young ladies. How come? Because women know how to use words. Women are natural talkers. I have heard at age six weeks in an unborn baby girl inside of her mother, she is already starting to move her mouth. <laughs> Practicing for adult womanhood. <laughs> Women speak a lot more words. They know more words. Their vocabulary is bigger. They know how to describe things. We guys, few words. How's work? Good. How's the food? Great. How's church? Awesome. What are you going to do tomorrow? Work. I mean, we're just like one word. But ladies, they know how to do it. So the great, why? Now, if a lady can talk naturally, they can turn that subject into Jesus Christ and how to get saved. Now, here's the second, maybe a tie here. I'm going to call the other, uh, the second. Now, this could be the first. Could be the greatest soul winner in our church. And that's teenagers. It's teenagers. You say, well, how come? I thought they're all shy. I don't know. No. Teenagers are relentless. They're relentless. Hey, there's someone playing basketball. Let's get him! <laughs> you know, it almost sounds like, you know, it's going to be a kidnapping or a murder. Let's get him! I've seen teenage girls, corner great big tall guys. Now the Bible, I mean, they're looking up like this with the Bible. No fear. Teenagers can win. Teenagers and kids, we adults can't do that. Next time you men are going soul winning, stop at a park where there's kids, fifth grade, fourth grade, third grade. You just get within a thousand yards of that place. They're calling the SWAT team. SWAT team, come in and kill this old man. <laughs> but teenagers, they'll listen to you. Is the Great Commission great to you? When I was a teenager, I got saved in seventh grade. Our pastor taught a Wednesday night on how to lead a soul to Christ. I was quiet. I told you I, I stuttered for a while, then stopped, stuttered for a while, and stopped. But about 10th grade, some things changed in my life. I got my heart right. I got contact lenses. I always had weird glasses. Back then, they weren't cool. Now kids buy glasses, so they'll be cool. So I had those black professor fly glasses. And, and when I got rid of those and got contact lenses and then fixed my chipped teeth, I felt like I could smile. Had a whole new self-esteem. Went to Struma High School that year with a stack of tracks. Just first day. You get one of these. You get one of these. You get one of these. Left it on the teacher's desk. You get one of these. Get one of these. Talk to the principal. Could I witness to you? Talk to the band director. Could I witness to you? And, and just try to spread the gospel. Got a job at McDonald's, no Sundays, no Wednesday nights, started working. I heard all this foul language coming from the grill where they were making the big, uh, yeah, 
Yeah, the big man. No, 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 the quarter pounders. Guy named Dwayne Broussard just cussing and cussing and burning and burning and cussing and, and uh, grease. And remember inviting Dwayne to church. Dwayne got saved at our church when he was 16. Got killed in a motorcycle wreck the next year. Why was I at McDonald's? It wasn't a job. That was my mission field. I had those little chick tracks, those little comic book tracks that were popular back then. When you worked at McDonald's, I mean, it was, I mean, you got a 15 minute break. I mean, that was, I mean, you work four hours, 15 minute break. Here's the counter, your face on the wall. You don't get a break with anybody else. Gulp your food down, free burger, fries, all you could drink. And, and then it was back to work. So I'd leave these little chick gospel tracks there. The assignment, a demon's nightmare. Uh, uh, this was your life. And one day, Mac is true. We called him Big Mac. His first name was Mac. He was the manager. He said, Ray, punch out. I said, well, how come? He said, did you leave this in the break room? I said, yes, sir. He said, well, I read it half an hour ago. Yes, sir. And he said, and according to this, I'm on my way to hell. And I've been afraid to get my car and drive home. I'm afraid I'll get killed and go to hell. Can you come back to the break room and tell me how to get saved? Big Mac got saved in the break room next to the cups and the boxes and the bags and all that kind of stuff. I'm just saying, anybody can do it. Anybody can do it in the neighborhood, at work, on the bus route. So I'm waiting on the, the school bus, public school. I didn't have my car yet. Outside waiting, there's this curly-haired guy. His name was Arthur. We affectionately called him Arthritis. Teenagers are so affectionate, you know, brotherly love. Author told me he had been saved at our church years before. I got a car, started bringing him to church. He got baptized. His dad was a drunkard. His mother worked at Denny's, just barely put food on the table. Author got tied into church, became a soul winner, went off to Bible college, became a pastor. You just never know who is waiting. Who's waiting? Well, here's excuses sometimes we have. Here we are. Let me give them to you. Common excuses. It's going to scare you. I'm too tired. I like what Paul Chapel says. The world is ruled by tired people. That doesn't make me feel any better. But it makes me know I'm not the only one. I wonder how tired Jesus was at the end of preaching all day long. Then he laid his head down. I wonder how tired he was on the ship when they went through the storm and he fell asleep. I'm too tired. Number two, my schedule is too full. Now, folks, that's sometimes what we're going to have to battle. It may not be drugs. It may not be alcohol. It's going to be filling our schedule with too many good things, but maybe not the best things. Amen. That's why I'm so careful when we play in church calendar, not to just, now you're going on Sunday night. Now here's something from Monday night. Uh, and now you're on Tuesday night. Now we have church on Wednesday night. And, and, and now there's something on Thursday. And then there's this on Friday. And, and, and pretty soon you never see your family and you never have any time. Now I know teens like it real busy. 
But I'm just saying, if we get too busy to put soul winning in our schedule, we're too busy. We've got time to shop. We've got time to fish. We've got time to eat. We've got time to wash our car. We've got time to mow our yards. We've got time to clean the house. We've got time to do a gazillion things. But the priority ought to be the Great Commission, getting people saved. Number three, quickly. Here's one. I'm not good at talking. You know, the people that say that are pretty good at Baptist Buffet talking. <laughs> I'm just not good at talking. They're not going to be in the corner after church facing the wall eating a chili dog by themselves. They're not going to, they're going to be talking to somebody. We're going to talk about sports. We're going to talk about who won the games today. We're going to be talking about the Olympics. We're going to be talking about Israel. We're going to be talking about the news. We're going to talk about shopping or cars or fishing or hunting or golfing or weather. We'll talk. Number next. Here's one. I tried it once, but I'm not good at it. You ever tried this once? And some people are still trying it 30 years later. You ever try this once? Well, I'm not good at it, but you're still doing it. How many years do you have to play some of those video games and get good at it? And the first time you didn't even, man, I don't even know what I'm supposed to be doing here. But then you got good at it. What else here? David said, nobody, no one cared for my soul. Here's another one. But I'm discouraged. I'm discouraged. One of the greatest things you can do for discouragement, and I'll tell you this for sure, is to get out with a handful of tracts, go door to door or street corner, set of apartments, pass them out, witness to someone. How come? They that sow in tears shall reap in joy. God says if you wait until you have no problems to start witnessing, you'll never witness to anybody. You're always going to have problems. He says, while you're having tears, while you're having a broken heart, while you're hurting, that's when you want to keep going. It does something for you. Amen. It does something for you. And I get it. Well, pastor, I work five days a week. Then everybody expects me to be here on Saturday. I only get one day off. And I get it. I get it. I have a neighbor who lives close to my house, finally retired. Finally, woo, no more work. So he mows his grass twice, twice a week. Then washes each car once a week. He worked his whole life so he could do that. I think of someone in the room right now. Their husband recently retired. He doesn't come here. He watches television all day long. He worked his whole life. Now I can sit on the couch and hit any channel I want. I get it. Since seventh grade, Saturdays has always been a soul winning day for me. I, I'm for Thursdays. I'm for Wednesdays. I'm for any day of the week. Saturdays, people are relaxed. Saturdays, they're home. Saturdays, they're outdoors. They're not worried about what they're doing the next day. They're approachable. I get it. I'm just saying somewhere in our schedule, there ought to be something about soul winning. Somebody's waiting. The city of Nineveh was ready, waiting for Jonah. The Samaritan city was waiting for the woman at the well. The man at the pool of Bethesda was waiting for Jesus to come by. 
The eunuch was waiting for the Philippian uh, 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 preacher, uh, 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 Philip the preacher, to come by. Give you a story quickly. Years ago, we did soul winning on Thursday night. We had a man in our church um, named Tracy Ross at that time. We grew up together. Tracy was reached on a bus route. They used to call him Spook because he had white, white, white complexion, jet, jet black, long hair. He looked like a ghost. And that's really what they called him. I mean, they called him that and all his brothers were drug addicts and they called him Spook. Well, years before, they had a, a need at the church there in Baton Rouge and the pastor said, we need to buy three buses. We need to start the bus ministry. My dad gave that night. My dad bought all three buses. Jolly Green Giant, Fountain Blue. I think the other one was Casper. Of all things, they named the church bus route after a ghost. We're going to buy a bus and name it Harry Potter, I guess. I don't know. And so uh, someone says, I'll pay for that. (laughs) Okay, oh, brother. So my dad bought those buses. Guess who rode one of those buses on February 23rd, 1973? Tracy Ross. And he came back that night and got saved. He ended up here for years. One night he said, Pastor, he said, I know everyone's going soul winning here. He said, I feel led. I'm going to Travis Air Force Base. Back then, it was before 9-11. Anybody could just drive on. He said, I'm going to the single housing. going to try to get some of those uh, airmen in church. He knocked on about two doors, invited a guy named Rob to church. And then they said, hey, you, get off our property. And they kicked him off the base. Tracy came up. He said, hey, this this skinny guy named Rob Northrup is going to come. Sure enough, Rob came that Sunday. Rob needed braces. That's the first thing I knew about him. He had like 64 teeth right here. I remember my wife looked at him and says, the the guy's going to need braces or no one's ever going to marry him. So that's the first thing I told him. I said, if you don't get braces, you're going to be single the rest of your life. No, 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 I didn't tell him that. Well, Rob was already saved, but Rob was just looking for a church like ours. Rob caught on fire for the Lord, started teaching Sunday school class, a boys class, became a bus captain of one of the Napa routes at that time. Soon felt like he was supposed to preach, went off to Bible college, graduated, ended up on staff at Brother Mingy's church where Brother Kerry Brown served many, many years. Then years later, they voted him in as pastor there in Bath, Maine. Pastored like 15 years that church. Get this, Tracy Ross only knocked on about two doors that night. There was a Rob Northrop waiting. And a whole state of Maine was waiting. And the state of Washington was waiting. Hey, Tracy, can you think of anything that may have been more important that night than knocking on Rob's door? Pretty good investment. He probably could have taken the night off. He probably could have watched television, watched a game. But somehow he prioritized that. Oh, Rob's in heaven now. Passed away. I did his funeral. Got to meet his family, his church. He never forgot that knock on the door. 
No one ever came looking for me. It was on Elm Street. Isn't there like a TV show or a horror movie about that? It happened on Elm Street. What's it called? I don't know. I've never seen it. I'm not trying to trap you. It happened on Elm Street? Nightmare on that. Oh, okay. Scares me just hearing about it. So I'm on Elm Street. And a guy named Greg Cardi opens the door. Such an open guy. If you didn't know him, you'll get to know him up in heaven. What a guy. Went through the gospel with Brother Cardi. And he said, Pastor, I was raised Catholic 57 years. They never one time told me this. I am so upset. Greg Cardi got saved. When we started talking about soul winning, he said, why wouldn't I do that? He said, this is all that matters. I remember Miss Cardi would be so upset with him. They'd be in the checkout line at stores. You get one of these, by the way. Not just did you get one of these. If you died today, would you go to heaven? You're not sure? Well, look, let me just show you. I mean, he's holding up the whole line. Brother Cardi said, you're going to see a lot of me. You're going to get tired of me. He said, because I got a lot of time to make up. He's in heaven now. He's doing great. I know, and I know he sure is glad he became a personal soul winner. Here's the questions, and we're about done. When's the last time you personally handed out a gospel tract? Who's got one on you? I, I took my other Bible. I've always got one. Someone just hand me one. Someone's got one. Someone's got one. Here, just hand it up real quick. Hand it up real quick. Hand it up real quick. I got a different Bible. Can someone hand me a track? Oh, bless you, Cassidy. Bless you. Thank you so much. Is this all you have? Do you only have a hundred on you? Oh, okay. So. Someone says, well, it's, it's kind of difficult. Look, look, look. What is the weight? Less than an ounce. Two fingers. You can do the smoking version. You can actually just put it behind your ear and just ask someone, look, please, please take one. I've handed them to people around the back. I've gone around this way. I've thrown them on the ground, said, hey, look at that. It's just fun passing out a track. Don't do this. We used to have a hospital. It was a Catholic hospital in Baton Rouge. Virgin Mary statue. We'd always put it right there in her hand. Don't do that. The queen of the valley is going to call me. Please don't do that. But it was always, there's a Virgin Mary. Did you get one of these? They're not too heavy. Some people can't give them out because they're too heavy. They're too heavy. You say, but I just don't like rejection. I don't want to bother people. Think it through. You're going to bother them into hell, number two. Hell, number three. I'm going to offend them. No, you're going to offend them forever if you don't give them a track. When's the last time you handed out a gospel uh, track? Two. When's the last time you asked the question, if you died today, are you 100% sure you'd go to heaven? When is the last time you took someone all the way through the gospel presentation? Say, well, Pastor, we're in California. A lot of people don't want to hear this. You talk to enough people, you're going to find someone who's going to say, I've been thinking about this. Half of our city now is retirement, 55%. People move here to die. 
They're thinking about this. We've had people in the last several months just, just drop in and say, we're looking for a church. Uh, our kids live in the area and we're just wondering what time your church uh, starts. So how do we know we care? Number one, we don't truly care till we've confessed and forsaken our sin. Known sin, no power. Number two, till we're thoroughly right with others. You're not going to have the boldness to witness if you're eh, 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 with that person, yeah, 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 with that person, yeah, yeah, I've never liked that person, yeah, yeah, yeah. If you've got issues with people and chaos and drama going on, you want to get that right or you're never going to have boldness in your soul winning. Number three, we don't really care until we carry tracks. I was ill this week. I don't know if you could tell last Wednesday. I didn't have a voice. And then I spoke seven times in Los Angeles this week and probably shouldn't have even gone. So I'm at the motel. I come out. There's three women all dressed up going to a K-pop Korean concert. Some famous people I've never heard of. They've got a track. There was a couple getting ready to go on a cruise. They got a track. Guy in the elevator with me. He got a track. Guy behind the counter. He got a track. The maid got a track. I didn't feel like it but they still needed the gospel track. Then I'm done with this. We don't really care until we schedule a soul winning opportunity. Look at your schedule this week. When could I pair up with somebody and just learn how to do this? And you don't have to be trained. Many people in the Bible, they were never trained. You can get better than you are. All of us can. But pair up with someone, watch someone win a soul and say, I could do that. I could do that. And then let's go soul searching. Let's be a soul winning church, an evangelistic church, and a lifestyle evangelistic church all into one. And you'll be glad. Heavenly Father, help us now tonight.